It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along and we are here at the finale of the 2023 Formula One season. It's the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the place where we often see the finale of the Formula One World Championship, whether or not that is popular with the fans at the moment, or if you'd rather it's somewhere else like Interlagos, we saw a few people asking about that, or even a return to somewhere like Suzuka for example. But all that aside, let's get into the preview. And joining me on this preview for the final race of the season, we have the OG himself, Courtney Pine, joining the panel once again. Courtney, first of all, thanks for coming on as always. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I know it's been a while, but I've made some technical adjustments, which will hopefully improve the show for all of us. So I'm hoping to come back better than ever. Well, you certainly look the part and sound the part as always. So uh, fingers crossed it all goes well on a technical perspective. But of course, we are at the finale of the 2023 season. Another season almost in the books, albeit not necessarily one that will go down as a classic. But how are you feeling now that we're coming into the final race of the season? How's it been for you? Um, I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest and... Uh... It's going to sound weird come from somebody who does a Formula One podcast, but I've got to say, this is going to be the first season in a very long time where I'm actually looking forward to it coming to an end. Um, I think most of us can agree that, you know, we've had, we've had some, we've had some close moments. We've had one or two moments which have been um, pretty good. I mean, Las Vegas um, was a pretty decent race in the end after the problems that happened in practice. Um, but overall, I, I really do feel it's been a, a boring season. I, I know the same old suspects are going to say, oh, you know, this is all the part and parcel Formula One. Someone always dominates. But look, it's been great for Red Bull and Max Verstappen to win as often as they have. But to go into most race weekends, knowing who's going to win, it doesn't really fill a lot of people with enthusiasm. So look, can't can't take put it against Red Bull. The, the likes of Ferrari, in particular, I'm looking at Mercedes and McLaren, who have now come into the fold. They really need to up their game next season because if you have a look at what we saw in Las Vegas, if that's anything to go by, we could have some fantastic battles next season if these other teams back their ideas up. Yeah, I mean, I love Formula One and I love watching Formula One racing, but uh, to borrow a phrase that we often use in other sports, I'm quite happy to see the back of this season, to be honest. Um I wouldn't say it's felt like a long one. It's certainly not dwindled on, but I think I I completely agree with you. I think the way that this season has gone and the, the, I suppose, the impotence of what is to come and how important that will be has kind of galvanised the excitement of everybody. We've always been looking ahead. Even if you're a Red Bull or Max Verstappen fan, you probably will admit that 
um, at times this season, you've probably looked at it and thought, you know what, I'm really looking forward to next season because it's a new challenge and you rewrite the rule book almost on this um, as much as F1 often do. But um, it's it's always a fresh start. It always feels exciting. Your renewed hope, renewed ambition. But of course, before we get into all of that, we've got to have the curtain call at Abu Dhabi. And I think the first thing we should talk about, Corny, when we're talking about the future, is a lot of the young talent waiting in the wings for their opportunity. Now, as far as we're aware, there's no indication that we're going to have any changes to the grid whatsoever for next season. Of course, there have been the stories about Sergio Perez's future and even Daniel Ricciardo's future and a few other drivers. But I think after the last few races, that's all died down quite emphatically. And I think if my memory is correct, this will be the first season um, or 2024 will be the first season, assuming there are no driver changes, where the grid that finished the season will be the same grid that starts the following season. It's never happened in an F1 World Championship. That being said, plenty of young drivers doing uh, one of their first outings in Formula One this weekend during FP1 as part of the mandatory two free practice sessions that the teams have to allocate to rookie drivers. And the whole grid is contributing this weekend. I'm just going to go through some of the names, of course, just to confirm for everyone. So at Red Bull, we've got Jake Dennis and Isaac Hadjar, which makes a lot of sense because Red Bull, I don't think they've done any free practice sessions for their young drivers. So both of them are going to get a run in FP1. Uh, Jake Dennis, of course, Formula E champion. So that's quite a coup there. Um, Robert Schwartzman at Ferrari. No surprises to see him getting another go in this with the Scuderia. Mercedes driver Frederick Vesti, again, uh, F2. Uh, was it runner-up in F2? Um, going into the final race of the season, of course. We haven't even had the finale for F2, have we? So there's been a oh. long break there. So Fred Vesti is definitely going to have to be on his A-game to win the F2 Championship if he can. Uh, Jack Doohan, of course, with Alpine. Pato Award with McLaren. Alfa Romeo, Teo Porcher, of course, currently leading the championship in F2, hoping to get that one over the line. Felipe Drugovic with Aston Martin. Oli Behrman at Haas, who's been lighting up F2 as well in his debut season there, the 18-year-old. And then rounded it all off with Zach O'Sullivan, another British driver with the Williams team. So, Courtney, just running through that list, curious to get your thoughts on some of these young drivers. Is there anyone in that list that you think could make it into Formula One in the near future and also perhaps have an impact as well? Oh, before I ask your question, sorry, Adam. Um, it's it's really important that these drivers get this chance in F1 because obviously we only have a grid of 20 drivers. And in my opinion, I feel this is one of the most sort of spread out and evenly talented uh, grids that we had in a very long time. So opportunities for these lads and obviously in the future, hopefully some women coming into the sport um, opportunities come a few and far between. So I'm, I'm really pleased that we are seeing this now in F1. But if you have a look through, I think the obvious ones are Vesti. Um, he'll be, very much keeping an eye on the situation with Lewis moving forward. Um, Terra Porsche, he's, he's, he's been highly tipped to make an impact in F1 for uh, several years now. He'll definitely be there. And he said, Oli Beerman, um, he's, he's, he said Adam's been doing a great job in F2. Still young lad, he's still got a, a few more years in him. I don't think we'll be seeing him next year, but maybe in the next two or three years, we will be seeing him on the F1 grid in some capacity. So, yeah, definitely several of those drivers are definitely uh, ones to keep an eye on. Yeah, there's a few drivers in there that we've already listed that do have connections with existing teams in the sport. Obviously, Fred Vesti at Mercedes, Oli Behrman, obviously the connection with Ferrari. There could be a possibility where, not necessarily next season, but 2025, there might be a Haas seat available for him if they want to sort of bleed him in through there. And obviously through Ferrari, Teo Putre, another driver as well. And um, yeah, and of course, let's not forget Jack Doohan doing very very well in formula two and uh not necessarily with alpine but it's interesting to see what happens with andretti because if they end up on the grid they'll be using potentially using alpine engines that might be a way to get him in a uh, young driver obviously you know um with that american heritage as well so that would obviously be a nice combination for the andretti team obviously let's not forget pato award as well um very successful in indycar of course with mclaren i don't see that one happening personally at formula one level but you never know. They certainly can't rule those options out depending on how the grid shuffles. But as I said, it's a very packed grid at the moment. And 
as we've already mentioned, only one driver has fallen out this season, and that's Nick DeVries, and he's been replaced by Daniel Ricciardo. So there aren't really many opportunities that we can see. We thought there might be one with Logan Sargent. Williams have always indicated that their intention was to work with Sargent long-term, and we haven't seen any indication that Williams are looking at anyone else. And then, of course, at Red Bull, the only other potential seat that might be available, that's going to be filled by an existing driver on the grid anyway. So it's not really like there's going to be a space freed up. So in, in your mind, Corny, it, it does seem to be getting increasingly difficult, if not almost impossible, for some of these young, exciting talents to get on the grid at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I've already said, uh, I, I do feel that this is one of the most talented grids uh, throughout, from, from top to bottom, that we've had in a very long time. You you could make an argument that at least 80% of the drivers that we have on the grid could drive for one of the top teams and potentially challenge for a world championship. You know, we, we've, we've said so much about Lando Norris, he's still yet to win a race. And it just shows that, obviously, the Red Bull dominance comes into it. But there is so much talent on that grid and they're all waiting for their opportunity to have a go at a world championship. Absolutely. And and I think it's appropriate to name Lando Norris because he is a driver that is very highly regarded and all the big teams are probably keeping tabs on him at the moment. And, you know, it's just evidence that even in his own team, we look at someone like Oscar Piastri, who was given the opportunity somewhere like McLaren, and he has gone on to be very successful in his rookie season and obviously has a bright future ahead. Maybe the next Lando Norris or Oscar Piastri will do a run in FP1 this weekend and we just need to find an opportunity to get them in. Who that will be, I'm not sure. I'm sure we could place our bets on who we think that could be. But the landscape of Formula 1 can change very, very quickly in a short space of time. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. But, of course, the solution to all of this, Courtney, is just get more cars on the grid. And then we'll have more seats available for these young drivers. But uh, if only it were that simple, eh? Moving on to the race itself this weekend some big talking points some big battles waiting to be resolved the highest profile of those is of course the battle for p2 in the constructors championship mercedes versus ferrari now for a time it looked like mercedes had this on lock it looked like they were going to confirm finish p2 be red bull's biggest challenger over the course of the season but as it stands Ferrari have been making headway for some time now. Over the last few races, Ferrari have been very impressive. Admittedly, perhaps not as impressive as they deserve to have been. Some results got away from them for different reasons. And sometimes they've not been able to convert the the pace that they've had into a result as good as it could be. So heading into this weekend, Courtney, the final race of the season, four points separating Mercedes and Ferrari take our allegiances to our teams aside because mm. obviously we both have them at stake in this fight but who do you think is more likely to come out of top on top between these two mercedes or ferrari i already know what people are going to be thinking when i say this but i do think it's going to be mercedes that will get the result over the line and it will be lewis that will spearhead um, the majority of the points coming mercedes way i think what i find intriguing is I think Ferrari, I've come to understand their car a lot more randomly, I would say randomly, but they've, over the last few races, they have seemed to be able to get sort of more uh, consistent uh, reliability and performance out of the car. Um, whereas it has been a little bit more messy with Mercedes. They, they, they do seem to have higher peaks, and then obviously they can just randomly drop down. They, they still aren't quite... They, they, they say they know, but some of the performance was, we've been seeing lately would suggest otherwise. But what I did find interesting over the Vegas weekend is that despite the, the, the problems that both drivers had during the race, if you actually look through, the, the race pace was actually quite decent. So I'm hoping we see a situation where we see the best of both Ferrari and Mercedes and it will be a case of um, the best team wins. Yeah, Mercedes did seem to have this ability to get themselves out of a sticky situation in Vegas. If anything, they probably left that weekend a bit disappointed that they didn't get more from it. The pace was certainly there, at least in the race. I mean, perhaps not as good as Ferrari or Red Bull, for example, but everybody else, they were certainly in the mix. And to only finish 7th and 8th, despite the fact that Russell and Hamilton had a very roller coaster race, at one point they're up, one point they're down, up and down, and eventually they finished there. I totally understand Total Wolf's frustration. And... That has been, I think, a hallmark of the final chapters of Mercedes 2023 season. A lot more concern and anxiety, perhaps, than they would have liked. In a situation where they look quite good, it looked like, okay, 
We're starting to build the foundations of what we're going to need to make a serious challenge in 2024. But the last few races, they've had a real problem trying to get the balance right with this car. Now, we know Mercedes historically do tend to build diva-like F1 cars where they have a hard time understanding how to address the flaws. And even if they have a tough weekend, sometimes, you know, they often like to say, oh, we learn more from our tougher weekends and from our stronger ones. But Mercedes do tend to have a harder time than some others trying to figure out what the problem is with their car. And it fails to me that this could be a trend that could affect them this weekend. Yeah, uh, uh, given, obviously, in the practice sessions, they, they tend to take place, well, the first practice session takes place during the day. And I, I, I think I'm right in my memory saying that it'd be the same in practice three. So actually, the data that they they gather in two of those practice sessions, particularly with um, a car like the current Mercedes, where they seem to really struggle to get the, um, the the setup right, it could well be Mercedes that struggle to get the car where they want to compared to the Ferrari. But I, I just feel that come the race, it, it, there seems to be a trend where uh, Brazil side, Mercedes tend to struggle in practice and qualifying, but then when they come to the race weekend, they're suddenly like, whoa, where did this space come from? And I, I, I do get the feeling that Lewis in particular will put in a great performance and, and get the points that the team needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is going to be the the ace in the hole, if you like, for Mercedes in to Lewis Hamilton. That, you know, the way that he's been driving this season, uh, he's definitely been one of the best drivers this season. I don't think many people can argue that. But sometimes you kind of have to dig deep into what he's doing at the moment, despite not having a car capable of winning a world championship at this point in time. You have to dig deep into what he's doing to actually appreciate what is happening there. And look, we, we can go back to, oh, you know, if Mercedes had listened to Lewis earlier, they'd be in a much stronger position car-wise and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, he's dragging out the performances that he needs to to drag this car along. And, you know, George Russell's driving Vegas despite getting a five-second penalty for a, a clumsy kind of mistake, not malicious at all for that collision with Max Verstappen. But, um, you know, a, a moment like that, it, it cost him three or four places in the race. And other than that, he he drove very, very well. He was certainly in the mix at one point for a podium. So if George can drive like that again, cut the minor mistake out, which cost him a few places, and Lewis does what Lewis always does, there's a very good chance Mercedes will come away from Abu Dhabi with P2 in this Constructors' Championship. Obviously, one thing we've got to be careful of with them is how they handle tyre wear. Something we thought they were very good at this season, but over the last few races, tyre wear has been a problem for them. So how do they go about dealing with that, Courtney? I'm, I've, I'm assuming they're going to be looking at their strategy because I feel the strategy is going to be what will most likely make the difference um, in uh, this, this battle. And I think that's that's where Mercedes do have the slight advantage. Look, Ferrari haven't made any high-profile mistakes over you know the last few races, but generally speaking, Mercedes have overall. I, I don't I don't feel in terms of the performance of the teams, there's a there's a massive gap when it comes to having clean race weekends uh, away from performance. But I do feel Mercedes have the edge, whereas. Ferrari are still prone to a high-profile error here and there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Ferrari in this fight because we have focused mostly on Mercedes at the moment. But um, when it comes to Ferrari, the drivers themselves over the last few races in particular have been very, very solid overall. Uh, the car has been quick and at, at most places. And over the balance of this season... I would probably say Ferrari have just about edged as the second fastest over the course of the year. It's yeah. it's much harder to pinpoint at exact moments where that is the case for all of these teams in this fight, and that's Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, Aston Martin. All four of them at different points have been in that position. But I think overall, we can all agree that Ferrari have 
been in that position more than the other three. And they will certainly be disappointed if they don't finish P2 in the Constructors' Championship, given they probably know they've probably had the best opportunities to do so. But what it comes down to with Ferrari this in the last few races in particular, and at some points this season, if Ferrari are in a position where they could finish P2 in the Constructors' Championship by getting a strong result this weekend, they also need luck to be on their side. And admittedly, especially lately, that hasn't been the case for Ferrari. Uh, you look at Charles Leclerc in particular, he's he's definitely been one of the most cursed F1 drivers. So, you know, you look back to the Monaco Grand Prix where he started on pole and then he didn't get to start the race. Um, I I do believe in uh, luck and, and for whatever reason, I don't know what Charles Leclerc did in the past life, but he really does seem to uh, have a lot of the luck go against him. And I got, I, I'm really hoping that if... Um, if Ferrari develop a good enough car uh, for him to compete, I'm really hoping he gets a chance because he has been slapped down quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Carlos Sainz, he'll be hoping for better fortunes after what went down at Vegas, which I'm sure he's still seething about because he very much had the pace to be fighting for a podium, at least in that race, but never got the opportunity because of what went down and the penalty. But uh, all that aside, it's very, very tight. In my opinion, Ferrari can edge it. But I think it's going to be very, very, very close. That win from Carlos uh, Carlos Sainz in Singapore could prove to be very crucial on countback. Um, so there's only four points in it, so we'll have to wait and see. Let us know in the comments, guys. Ferrari or Mercedes? Who's getting P2 in the Constructors' Championship uh, after this race weekend? Next battle, of course, the battle for fourth, McLaren versus Aston Martin. It's been a tale of two se- different seasons for Aston Martin and McLaren, both of them switching fortunes where... Aston Martin was mighty in the first half of the season. Alonso, five podiums in the first six races, single-handedly to some to a large degree, a, a contributor to why Aston Martin are in the position they're in at the moment. Lance Stroll has, of course, had his moments more recently than uh, over the early part of the season. Second half of the season, Aston Martin went bold on certain upgrades, didn't work. They fell down the pecking order in that midfield. McLaren, through hard work that started before the start of this season, where they sacrificed the current concept they were working on and moving on to what they have today, they have been a real powerhouse and the second highest scorers in the second half of this season behind Red Bull, of course. It puts us in a nice position where there is a larger gap between the two, about 11 points between McLaren and Aston Martin. But based on what we've seen in the last few races, Aston Martin not only have a car and balance capable of competing with McLaren, But both Alonso and Lance Stroll are picking up points together now. And that could be crucial this weekend with both Aston Martins looking lively again. So, Courtney, same question for these two. Who are you betting your money on uh, to come fourth? Uh, My money's on McLaren. Um, And I agree with what you're saying about Aston Martin showing some uh, better form over um, Brazil and uh, Las Vegas in particular. But I look at Abu Dhabi. And it is very much a traditional style circuit. And we've seen on those uh, style circuits, McLaren really has probably been the second best team. So I think that Lando Norris will get... It's going to give away one of my predictions. I think Lando Norris will sum up the majority of the second half of the season and end up on the podium. And I think he'll get the majority of the points that the team needs. And I feel that even though he has improved a little bit over recent races, I just feel that overall Lance Stroll won't do enough in, if, in relation to Oscar Piastri. I feel Oscar Piastri will finish out of Lance Stroll and that will seal that, um, that battle. I agree. I think even if this was a race circuit similar to what we saw in Vegas and Brazil, I would be more inclined to say that Aston Martin have a reasonable chance. I still probably pick McLaren as favourites because of the advantage that they have. But owing to the characteristics of this circuit in Abu Dhabi, I think we're going to see a much more McLaren-friendly circuit than what we've been used to the last few weeks. And that could prove to be pivotal. Now, of course, Lando Norris uh, had all the checks at the hospital in Vegas after his crash. He's okay, thankfully. So he'll be fit and ready to end the season in the right manner. Oscar Piastri, a great drive from him, but just very unfortunate because the strategy he was on, he wasn't able to finish in the top four because he would have been disqualified uh, for not using both dry compounds in the race. So he did a great job to finish in the points, none, despite all of that. 
So it's going to be quite tight. Alonso is Alonso, and I'm expecting more magic from him. Lance Stroll coming back into the fold has proven to be very, very useful for Aston Martin. It might be too little too late, but it does make this battle between those two teams all the more interesting. There's definitely a fight there. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. But it looks like we're both agreeing with McLaren on this one. Um, a quick one on Alpine before we move on to the next Constructors battle. Interesting little battle between Gasly and Ocon. Finally. At the moment, yeah, absolutely. At the moment, I think, is it Pierre Gasly? Just a few points ahead of Ocon. Now, uh, at some points, Ocon's probably had the highlight results, um, the podium in Monaco in particular, and of course, fourth in Vegas. It's not disputing what Gasly has done this season. But that fourth place from Ocon, starting all the way down from 17th, no less, that could prove to be very, very handy in this championship fight between these two. And we already saw a snippet of that when those two were fighting in Vegas and the team radio was saying, look, we've got to manage the ties. You guys have got to stop fighting each other in whole position. This is a battle that is going to come to a very interesting conclusion for this season. But that being said, Courtney, despite what we were expecting from Gasly and Ocon this season, because of all the past events between the two and the history between the two that has built us up to this point, it's been rather tepid between the two, but I'm expecting a very fiery conclusion with only four points up for grabs. Yeah, no, you're right. It has been tepid. I think we was hoping for some fireworks between uh, those two drivers. Um, but I, I, I feel the reason why it has been so tepid is because Alpine have really been in their own championship. Lee's been joking all season, calling it Alpine land. And he's correct in saying that. Um, they haven't really had much to work with this season. So I feel that when there's more at stake potentially next season, you might see some great battles between these drivers. But I think you might see a little something this weekend. I think particularly given they will want to one-up each other. And they're also, some of these drivers are going to have that sort of end-of-school term mentality where they're really going to go for it. They have nothing to lose. So, yeah, you might see a little dicey moment between these two this weekend, particularly because their car seems to be in its own championship. Yeah, I'm very interested in seeing how this one plays out because we haven't seen, as I said, we haven't seen too many instances this season where these two have been really too for now of each other. And I know as fans, we've kind of egged this on perhaps a bit more than we should do. And maybe as a result, Alpine and Ocon and Gasly have made a hefty effort to try and temper the flames, if you like, that the fan base have been putting onto them over this battle. But... um. I, I just think the gloves are going to be off between these two. And there's no reason for them not to really fight each other because Alpine comfortably sixth in the Constructors' Championship. Okay, it's not a season that they would be proud to reflect on for many different reasons, but uh, it gives the drivers the freedom going into this race to just race for themselves if they take each other out. Of course, the teams would be disappointed, but at the end of the day, I don't really think the teams have got much to really argue against the drivers wanting to fight each other this weekend. And uh, so we'll be very interested to see how that goes between them two. Um, I mean, my money's on Gasly purely because he's got the advantage. Um, But we have seen, as we saw in Vegas, that Ocon is capable of putting out a masterclass and uh, could do it once again. I think it just is a testament to how good some of these drivers really are in the midfield. And we often overlook them because they haven't got the bells and whistles of a, a top level car at the moment. No, spot on. I, I think it's been a. I, I, I think at times they must have been falling asleep um, before the race weekend began because they're just sort of getting the, uh, you know, the odd, mainly sort of lower points finishes, nothing major. Yeah, it's it's been it's it's been it's been a tough season for Alpine. I, I'm, we we know that they want to get back to where they were in the um, mid early noughties. Uh going for championships like everyone else does so they really they've been making some uh some business strategy changes bringing in high profile um people to financially support the team so yeah that they'll be hoping for more because i think for for the level they want to be at it hasn't been enough this season no, very much so. But uh obviously pastures new for next season. Alpine will certainly be hoping for much, much more. The battle for P seven is hot enough. We've got Williams against Alpha Tauri. Seven points the gap between those two. And at that end of the grid, seven points is probably the equivalent to what Ferrari and Mercedes would consider to be twenty five for a race win. 
it's quite hefty. Certainly not impossible for AlphaTauri to rack up seven more points than Williams at the final race. But again, my money's on Williams purely mm-hmm. because of the advantage that they have. I just don't see a scenario where AlphaTauri are going to outscore them by seven points or more, actually. Uh, we probably should add that. I think Williams have them on count back for two P7s. I might be wrong, but uh, yeah. So what do you reckon, Courtney? Is, uh, is Williams going to get a P7, which... Um, sounds crazy considering where they were only a year ago or are Alpha Tauri going to complete this mini recovery in the second half of the season? Um, I do think Williams will get the result over the line, but I do, however, feel that Alpha Tauri will beat them on the day. Um, again, we're on a traditional circuit and uh, we we all know that they brought an upgrade. Alpha, Alpha Tauri brought an upgrade, which is very similar to the Red Bull um, rear suspension. So putting that on a on a traditional circuit, you you feel that um, AlphaTauri will have um, the the superior uh, the superior performance, but I just don't think they'll be able to rack up enough points to get that result over the line. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Uh, interesting reports coming out regarding AlphaTauri. There's been some stories doing the rounds in the media all year long about AlphaTauri having a bit of a rebrand or a new name attributed to it. I mean, at one point, we thought the team was going to be sold by Red Bull, although that doesn't appear to be the case at the moment. Uh, it, apparently, there's rumours going around the team's going to be renamed Racing Balls, uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, the the a base team will not be directly named after a title sponsor for the first time in a while. And uh, the rebrand could be announced shortly. Now, Courtney, assuming that that's true, what do you make of the potential name Racing Balls? I mean, it's a little on the nose, but uh, I suppose <laughs> it's better than Hugo Boss Racing or something that we've been hearing it could have been. Uh, it's, it's just it's just ridiculous. Look, I, I'm glad that the existence of this team gives two two more drivers the chance to have, have a go at racing in Formula 1. But I, I, just, I just find this Red Bull... Alpha Tauri or the Racing Bulls set up to be quite bizarre. Um, I, I I do feel that Red Bull as a team do um, they benefit from having four cars on track sharing data rather than compared to the other teams that have two cars each. So I do have my feelings about that setup. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a weird one. Racing Bulls. There will be uh, there will be loads of jokes. There'll be. Uh, Sure, there'll be plenty of um, teenagers sort of in and around the F1 fan base laughing about that one. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm almost a bit disappointed they didn't call it Raging Ball, but uh, maybe that's a bit too close mm-hmm. to the film, but uh, never mind. Um, but I, I like it better than Hugo Boss Racing. As I said, there are a few other names. I know that's the one I keep mentioning, though, and so I'm sure Hugo Boss would love to be on the grid. I've got, I've a, got a couple. Sponsor. Go on, so, then, share, got, share got, with got, the group. Got, got to bring in the football analogy. So you've got um, Red Bull Reserves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, uh-huh. it does exactly what it says on the tin. So, uh, yep. yeah, yeah Red Bull Reserves, right. Red, Red, Red Bull Development Team, Red Bull, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Red Bull, uh, what, what's the other one? Yeah, Red Red Bull, uh, yeah, that's under 21. Yeah, that's it, Red Bull under 21s, even though Ricardo, obviously. <laughs> But Ricardo's Ricardo's the equivalent of when you get like a squad player come back with an injury, injury so they want to like give him a run in the uh, reserves to get his fitness back. So which is it, appropriate because he come yeah. back from an injury. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've drawn perfect parallels there, Courtney. I like that. So yeah, there we go. So they're in their own little championship as well. So they are Red Bull reserves. That's what we'll call them from there on. I mean, I always like Toro Rosso because. Even though Toro Rosso is basically Italian for Red Bull, it was kind of its own identity. I mean, we mm-hmm. knew what it was. We always knew it was going to be the Red Bull feeder team. And despite it being called Alpha Tauri or Toro Rosso or Racing Bulls or whatever you want to call it, Red Bull Reserves, it's never gone away from that. Even though the team itself operate independently, we all know them to be Red Bull's junior team. And, uh, you know, despite all of that, it's it's... I would like to see them have a name a bit like what Toro Rosso was, where even though it is kind of the same, it's its own little identity that we can often attribute to it. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Guys, another one for the comments. Let us know. What would you like to see Alpha Tauri be rebranded as? 
going forward. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on that one. It's very much a watch this space news broadcast. Um, just thinking of other topics to talk about. Obviously, heading to the end of the season, we are running out of a few things to talk about. But let's talk about Perez, actually, because I asked Lee this in the Vegas review. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this as well. Perez now has confirmed he will finish runner-up in the Drivers' Championship for the first time in his career. And of course, the first time Red Bull, despite winning seven championships now, have never finished one and two in the Drivers' Championship until this season. So in your mind, Courtney, is that enough to justify having Perez in the seat next season? Yeah, I think the fact they've wrapped up the uh, the one-two for the team, they've never done it before. So they'll be ha- very happy with that. And I think also, um, particularly his race pace has improved over the last few races. So that will give them calls for optimism going into next season. Uh, but I do stick with what I've been saying uh, for most of this season. If we get what we want, as we said at the, uh, the beginning of the episode, and we have some battles between, you know, uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, who have Russell and Hamilton, Ferrari who have... Uh, the Claire and Science, who have both actually improved with their consistency this season. Something that both those drivers were lacking, but they seem to have improved there. And then you have Lando Norris, who, who we know is a, is a race winner waiting to happen. Oscar Piastri, we know how much potential he has. The competition could be really stiff if we have those cars close to each other. And we know Max Verstappen will obviously be the star of that group of players, drivers that we've just mentioned. But Red Bull could potentially need both drivers to be on their A game. And I do feel that Sergio Perez in particular needs to improve his qualifying form going into next season. If it is as competitive as we hope it's going to be. Yeah, I think what we're kind of hoping as far as the pecking order is concerned is not necessarily Red Bull to have a flop of a winter. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's easily plausible to believe that we could end up with another season like what we've just had with Red Bull, given you know the advantage of the position that they're currently in and what that means. I think we're kind of hoping that Red Bull are very close to reaching that ceiling of performance where the other cars will start to catch up because they're much further away from that. And now that they understand these regulations a bit better, that's obviously a bit more realistic. So... We'll have to wait and see which one happens. Either way, though, Red Bull really do need their number two to be on it more often than Perez has certainly been this season. So I'm with you. I think he's done enough for Red Bull to keep him on. There are the obvious concerns over the fact that his performances have winded year on year at the moment, and maybe it could be even worse next year if things don't improve. But I think he's bought himself at least the first half of next season. Absolutely. And I say that because Red Bull do have this policy where they're quite happy to fire drivers halfway through a season. They do it over and over again with all the other drivers they've had. So I don't see that changing with Sergio Perez. Um, And of course, it will give him a great opportunity to see how Ricardo fares next season, where he has a full season under his belt to get back to the swing of things. Um, Quick one on Max Verstappen, of course. History has very much been the hallmark of his season and breaking records left, right, and center. Um, if he wins this weekend, Corny, it will be his 54th race win in his career. Crazy to think how old he is at the moment that he's achieved that. But that will put him ahead of Sebastian Vettel as the third highest race winner in Formula One history, which is crazy when you think of how much Vettel had achieved. And yet Max has pretty much compacted that into the space of three seasons almost. Yeah, look, it's, it's it's an incredible achievement for Max. And I think the scary thing is we haven't seen the best of Max yet. And look, I, I hope, and I, I know it's very easy uh, for people to, you know, say in the comments, oh, you know, he's a, he's a typical Lewis Hamilton fan, salty, this, that, and the other. I think for me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a Max Verstappen fan, but I want to see the best version of Max Verstappen. And I feel the best version of Max Verstappen is when he's challenged. I've said it in this episode already. I really think the guy is a is a fantastic asset to the sport when he's in a challenge with other drivers. What we saw in Vegas, I think there were clumsy moments that have been debated in, um, over the past week, but we saw it in 2021 as well. I, I really do feel that Max Verstappen would add to the sport massively if he's in a battle because we haven't seen we haven't seen these battles. We haven't seen Verstappen against uh, Leclerc. We haven't seen Verstappen against Norris. We haven't see, even seen Verstappen against Alonso. That would be amazing. Imagine seeing those two drivers coming against each other. So I, I do. I, I know it's easy when I get frustrated about, 
you know, Max Verstappen winning all the time. I'd feel the same if it was any other driver. You know, people would say, oh, Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton. But unless you was a Lewis Hamilton fan or a Mercedes fan, you wouldn't have enjoyed that era of dominance. And, and we saw what happened in 2021. That's what people are hoping for. We know F1 goes through cycles of domination. But I, I just, I do. I, I've said it. I really feel that we will see the best version of Max Verstappen from an entertainment perspective if we see at least one of these teams catch up with Red Bull next season. Yeah, it really does. And I think we all want to see that because, including Max, I mean, look at the team radio or listen to the team radio after you won in Vegas. This was a guy who at the start of the weekend was saying, oh, why are we even here? It's a bit of a joke. It's a bit of a circus, bunch of clowns and all that rubbish. He hated it. And then when he wins the race, he's singing Viva Las Vegas, like the Elvis song. Now, to me, that's a guy who knows he's just won a very tough race that he probably thought he wasn't going to win and had to fight for it when the opportunity came. So he would have loved being in that position and would have lived for the fight. It's something he's not had to do a lot of this season and um, or even over the last 18 months, if you like. So I think even Max himself would certainly want to be in that position more often than just being the guy that's winning race after race after race by 20, 30 seconds or as long as he needs to, knowing that he's got all that time in his back pocket if he ever needed it for whatever reason. So we all want to see it. Hopefully it happens. Um, I'll, I'll share one more Max Verstappen stat with you for this season, which shows how brilliant he has been this season, despite, you know, people go, oh, it's the car and all that. Well, yeah, of course it's the car, but it's always the car, but the driver is still exactly. makes a big difference too. And Max has certainly made a big difference as well. Um, I mean, no disrespect to Logan Sargent, but you chuck it, or Lance Stroll, let's put Lance Stroll in there because that's probably fairer. Chuck him in the Red Bull, he's not going to win you a world championship. Might win you a few races, but not a world championship. No. Although, prove me wrong, Lance. Um, mm. You've got it in you. Uh, so, the stat, before I get sidetracked. Um, so, Max Verstappen at the moment, if he wins this weekend, this will be the equal in the third longest race winning streak in F1 history, which means in the same season, he's got the third longest race winning streak in F1 history and the longest winning streak in F1 history in the same season. <laughs> I mean, that's a freaking cheat code. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. But um, it says yeah. it all. It says it all. It literally, that stat alone just sums up the 2023 season in a nutshell, if you're Max Verstappen. Um, but yeah, I, I digress on. Let's get to the part of the show that we uh, demonstrate if we have any wheel knowledge or not, Courtney, our bold predictions. And if this is your first time, do play along mm. if you are unfamiliar or familiar with how we do this. But we have some set categories that we try to. Uh, predict will happen over the weekend whether we get them right or wrong we'll have to wait or see but the first one is the best surprise and that goes to the team or driver that we think is going to deliver the best surprise this weekend so Courtney over to you who's going to be our best surprise this weekend I'm going to say Oscar Piastri and I've, I've been saying about McLaren and how I feel they'll be stronger on a traditional circuit and I feel they'll uh, want to finish the season on a high and he'll get a top five finish from McLaren Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, Oscar Piastri was doing donuts last year when he won the F2 cha uh, not, not won the F2 championship. Last time he was here, he uh, was doing donuts in F2. So, um, yeah, I, I very much expect him to have another strong weekend as well. I don't think McLaren will let him do donuts. And uh, although maybe Zach Brown's feeling generous, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, my best surprise. Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? What do you quantify as the best surprise anymore? Uh, after a season of doing this, uh, I'm going to say Lance Stroll. Okay. Even though I just mugged him off and said he's not going to win a world championship, even if he was driving this Red Bull. But um, I think he's going to have another strong weekend. I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm, I think maybe top six or seven, probably about right for him. He, I mean, yeah. he's been fifth in the last two races in a row. Maybe he will go for a, a triple threat and go for three uh, fifth places in a row. So, yeah, why not? Uh, that'll be mine. Flop of the weekend. I mean, there's quite a few candidates for this one, mm -hmm. but it's got to be the it's got to be Haas, isn't it? I think yep. just them in general, and I think if there's any team that's hoping to see the back of this season more than anyone else, it's probably them. Yeah, I was gonna say Nico Hulkenberg, so you you kind of beat me to that. Yeah, I think it's gonna be one of the Haas boys. I think I think you're right. I think <laughs> the Haas are probably feeling the way that we are right now. Bring on the winter break and bring on a better 2024. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully better pastures for them going forward. Pole position, Courtney? 
Who's going to be on pole? Uh, I'm going to say Max Verstappen. Again, as I said about drivers wanting to finish the season on the high, I think he'll want to wrap up an incredible season with a pole and a win. Yeah, interesting. Um, I will probably say Max Verstappen for pole. Race winner, and this is kind of my bold prediction. I know we've thrown this name in a few times, hoping it might strike gold, but... Because it's the end of the season and we're feeling a bit lucky, why not? Lando Norris. Hey! I'd love that. So would I, to be fair. That would be a nice, wholesome win. I mean, this is a driver that's probably deserved to win a race by now, and uh, I couldn't think of a more worthy winner than him if he was to win this weekend. So, yeah, I'm going for Lando this weekend. No, I hope you're right. Yeah, me too. Uh, Who are you going for, Courtney? Uh, Yeah, Max Verstappen for the win. Hey, boring. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. No, it, interesting, actually. One thing I did want to share, actually, another stat that I saw that I think is worth sharing. Now, forgive me if this isn't quite accurate. Um, I'd have to check this. I did see it a few times, so I haven't had the time to verify it myself, so this is probably on me. But if it's true, this is quite a cool stat. If we do not get a winner uh, of a driver or a team that is British, it will be the first time since the 1952 World Championship where the British national anthem has not been played once on an F1 podium throughout an F1 wow. season. That's crazy. And I know a lot of you are going to be quick to say, oh, well, they played it at the British Grand Prix. That doesn't count. I said, no, specifically said at the podium. Mm-hmm. So remember that at the podium at the end of the race, not at the start, at the end. So uh, that's crazy. I mean, because it's something I've always been used to hearing in Formula One. I mean, being a Brit anyway, obviously used to hearing it a lot anyway. But um, yeah, that is that is a remarkable stat. And uh, it is mind-boggling that you just that we haven't heard it once this season. Um, but then if Lando wins, then obviously that stat's completely rubbish. So uh, it might be a moot point. I reckon I should start playing it for uh, for designers. So then obviously Adrian Newey's designed this beast of a Red Bull. I think they should just bring Adrian Newey on to the podium and uh, play it for the sake of it. Well, someone sent me uh, the other day a meme saying uh, the Spotify uh, playlist at the end of the year where they sum up or give you a a review of what you've been listening to throughout (laughs) the years. And it said, apparently you've been listening to the Dutch national anthem 16,000 times this year. (laughs) Completely unrelated. And I said, yeah, he's been listening to my TV. But uh, surprisingly, though, that's not been the most commonly played national anthem this season. That, of course, would be the Austrian national anthem which is played every time red bull win a race which has been played at every race except for singapore of course including the two races that sergio perez won early in the season in Jeddah and baku um get a bit sidetracked a bit here but the podium uh i'll go first i'll say max verstappen and uh charles leclerc because i think ferrari will finish ahead of mercedes so yeah leclerc p3 okay i'm gonna say max first Lando Norris second, and Sergio Perez in third. Oh, nice. I like it. Best of the rest. So of course, this is the best finisher that isn't in a Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and now they're back in the fight again. Aston Martin also included, and McLaren. So, for me, that will probably be Pierre Gasly. Yep. From Process Nation. Yeah. I think he's just about going to have the edge over Rock. And he was very unlucky in Vegas. He really was because uh, he qualified incredibly well in the top four, did a great job in the race up to when the second safety car came, and then it completely ruined his race. So uh, Gasly's in fine form at the moment, but that's going to be a good fight, them two, Gasly and Ocon. But uh, yes, uh, bold prediction, Courtney. So, um... Ooh. Bold prediction. It's, it's, it's difficult. I always feel that Abu Dhabi is quite a predictable race. I don't usually get too many spanners in a work apart from 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, what do you think of Abu Dhabi as a season finale? I mean, a lot of people have been putting polls out of late saying they'd much rather it be somewhere else. Interlagos seems to be the fan favourite. That's always felt like a finale kind of race to me. I mean, very much a 2010 beyond thing, but uh, that's always felt like the final race of the season. Uh, the thing is, I actually like the circuit, um, and I think where it has created so many moments since 2010, be it the uh, the last race of the season, I personally don't hate it as much as a lot of other people do, but I do understand their frustrations because Interlagos has brought us some 
fantastic championship battles. Obviously, with the weather being so unpredictable as well, as we saw in 2008. Sorry, Adam, I had to even it out with uh, 2021 and had to bring up 2008 to make me feel better about myself. I mean, um, we're not going to be talking about the Felipe Massa controversy because no, no. uh, that, that deserves its own podcast episode, yeah. which, of course, we'll discuss in the winter break mm. when we need to find things to talk about. But, but yeah, I, I, I can see both sides of the argument, but I, I may, maybe it's because this season's already, you know, the, the championship was won in May, for goodness sake. So it's not like anything's on the line here. So we're just going to enjoy it as another race. Mm. But, but, yeah, but with a with yeah. bold prediction, uh I think just looking through the grid. Bold prediction. Uh, let's say Fernando Alonso finishing sixth. I know this. I know that's not where he wanted to be. I know that's not where he wanted to be. Uh, given that they were, you know, winning podiums quite regularly um, early on. But yeah, I'm going to say top six finish for Alonso. Yeah, probably not a bad shout. Um... I'm going to say, so I'm going to try and go bold, really bold here. I reckon that one of the young drivers will set a faster time in FP1 than their counterparts in the same car, at least one of the drivers in the same car does in the other practice sessions. As I know, it's a bit vague, but um, let's say, oh, just as an example... Um, Ollie Behrman, they say, not specifically him, but any one of them. But Ollie Behrman um, sets a faster time in FP1 than either Magnussen or Hulkenberg does in the same car in FP2 and FP3. That's kind of how it would look, for an example. Not specifically him, it could be any of them, but something like that. Yeah, if Jake Dennis did it in a Red Bull, we'll just take back everything, all the compliments we go <laughs> he to He ends Sergio up Perez. in the seat. That's it, yeah. that's it, Jake Dennis. <laughs> Formula E champion ends up Red Bull number two nowhere. next season. <laughs> yeah, or, or Isaac Hadjar, why not? But uh, yeah, something like that would be good. But uh, I think that's all we've got time for, Courtney. Uh, I hope you guys mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Let us know your predictions in the comment section below and your thoughts on uh, some of the topics that we covered in this episode. But of course, if you like the episode, make sure to leave us a like, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you are new. And uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, if you listen to us on Spotify, you can leave us some feedback and some questions for us in future episodes that we'll read out. So make sure to get involved on that as well. But uh, for the final time this season, before we head to the review, um, that's a wrap for this episode. And um, we'll see you to review the final race of the season this weekend. But until then, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.